The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Our world is always so rush-rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Hi everyone and welcome to another show of Might Radio. And we have today a topic that I'm really excited about, about immigrants and refugees. And we have a guest called Ike, Ike, sorry, Oriaki. Welcome to the show. Did I pronounce that okay? Well, don't worry. We'll give you a pass this time around. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. And you work for a company in the Quad Cities in Iowa called QC Air. Is that correct? Um, well, actually, we are located in Rock Island, but we do our services go from between both rivers, um, and mm-hmm. it's a non-profit organization. Absolutely, and it takes care of refugees and immigrants. Yes, the I- issues affecting refugees and immigrants. I have right there a question for the listener. What is the difference for a listener that says, I don't know what a refugee actually is in comparison to an immigrant? Okay, um, good question. Um, an immigrant is like me. Um, we came to this country, we were born, we came to this country for the purpose of permanent residence, not just this country, um, any country in the world. Um, the International Organization for Immigration estimates that there are more than 200 million immigrants around the world today, with Europe hosting the largest number of immigrants. Wow. And as we know, America is a land of immigrants. People, Some people have been here many generations before me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so America is the melting pot of um, immigrants. Okay. Now, with refugees, a refugee is someone who has been forced to flee out of his or her country because of persecution, war, or violence. A refugee has a well-founded fear of persecution for reasons of race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. Most Mm -hmm. likely, they cannot return home or are afraid to do so. War, ethnic, tribal, religious, violence are leading causes of refugees fleeing, fleeing their countries. So that's mm-hmm. the difference. But who does who, who decides that they qualify for this? Because in some countries you're very oppressed, but you might not just qualify to be that refugee. Is that correct? Well, when the war when there's a war outbreak and they flee from their country, they mm-hmm. go to refugee camps. Mm-hmm. Then you have organizations like World Relief that. Uh, like, okay, let's take United States, we have world relief, so they decide that, okay, they're going to take certain amount of um, refugees from the refugee camp, and then they decide where the refugees will go to in the United States. Okay. So that's how it works. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, and that is one organization that decides for all the refugees worldwide? I don't know if they decide for all the refugees worldwide. I don't I don't know specifically how that works with the refugees. I just know that they, they get to a refugee camp. So they mm-hmm. have this refugee camp, and I know there's a listing. And then the United States of America, mind you, this is um, a lot of money that is spent on making sure that they relocate these people and try and relocate them with their families when they come to the United States. And I know World Relief is one of the organizations that do that. Wow, fantastic. Because we work closely with them. Yeah, and there must be an enormous amount of of adaptation necessary for both the immigrant and the refugee because the the refugee might not want to be here, whereas the immigrant looks forward to being in this country, correct? Correct. Okay, so let's talk about the refugees first, because I can imagine that um, being here uh, uprooted and knowing that your family is back home in a war zone is must be totally terrifying to begin with. So what kind of problems arise with refugees being here? Well, um... Based on, now this is where I'm going to go a little bit about QCR. QCR was, yes. funded, last, it was mm-hmm. funded last year, February um, 2012. And before it was founded by the city of Rock Island, it was, and we have donations from the Doris and Victor Day Foundation. Before it was formed, we had um, study circles. And the study circles were formed because of the inflow of immigrants and refugees and the problems and challenges that we're facing, like you said, especially the refugees. So when these study circles were formed, when the organization QCA became established, they kept the study circles, but they now became action teams. And we have seven action teams. And those action teams were formed to tackle all the problems and issues facing them. And the issues are limitless, like... You have positive interaction with the police that the chair of that particular action team is Marsha Jones and Tion Farber. She's um, an immigrant, um, an immigration lawyer. And positive interaction with police is people that have um, fled their country, they are scared mm-hmm. of the police, the, the anyone in uniform because they've been oppressed. So positive interaction with the police is letting them know now that you're in the United States is a land of freedom, is a land of rights. You should actually go to the police officers, not run away from the police officers. And having to deal with the laws of the United States, like number one, you do not bribe a police officer. In my country of birth, as if my accent didn't give it away that I'm an immigrant, well, I am. <laughs> but um, <laughs> We all are. <laughs> Me too. In, in my country of birth, you know, you bribe a police officer to get away from anything, really. Well, here, you can't. It's like in the law. So we try to explain that to them. So that way, you know, it's helping the police force in the court cities as well. Because <laughs> I, I can imagine their surprise. Yes. When, you, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to give you money so that you can let me go while you're arresting me. I mean, a hundred bucks <laughs> is able to take care of the problem. But, you know, things like that, those are the issues that we're working with. We have jobs and employment. We have um, 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 health. Mm-hmm. We have our housing action team. We have our information clearing house. We have the happy action team, which is the cultural celebration. We kind of celebrate all the different cultures that are here in the court cities. And um, last but not least, we have ESL, which is um, English as a second language. Mm-hmm. That must so be the hardest, thing. no? To, to integrate within the language? I would imagine so, because um, my country is um, English-speaking. We're colonized by the British. So 
like I always um, tell people, I can only imagine what it's like. I can't speak for someone who can't speak, who, who does not understand or cannot speak or read and write English because all my life I was taught and I spoke English. Mm-hmm. So when I first got to this country by myself, and I landed at O'Hare International Airport. I knew what all the signs, I knew where the restrooms were because I could read it. I knew where the exit entrance, I knew where my gate was, I knew where my ticket, you know, I knew everything. Yeah. I knew how to use the payphone to make a call because the instructions were there in English. So one mm-hmm. of the things that QCA has done and will continue to do is find out how we can translate some of this um, notices like if we have, like, with the housing team, we're trying to find out the public housing rules, how we can get the basic rules that they need to know and mm-hmm. translate it into the different languages so they can understand. And one of the things we're doing with the police department is to see what kind of um, laws are they breaking. Maybe we need to translate those laws, if it's going to be in a pictionary form, and into all the different languages. So based on that person's driver's license, we can, you can kind of tell what country they are from and pick out what applies, what language of what you have in your car applies to them. Or call QCS, and we can get you an interpreter. That's what we're going to do down the line. We don't have the funding for that, but we're working on getting the funding for having an interpreter, not on-site, but paid interpreter that can come and translate to them because most of the cops have said sometimes when they pull them over they don't understand why they, mm-hmm. why why they're being pulled over. Absolutely, but I I'm I'm uh, lived for the last ten years in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, which is a big big melting pot of immigrants. And uh, one of the, uh, and I love that you just said that one of the problems we have there is when a driver's license is given to the mother, to the son, without any hesitation. So the Chinese do not seem to understand that the younger boy who's 16 needs to get a driver's license and learn the code of the road. And so mm-hmm. we have a lot of breaking of the law with the younger ones just carrying the driving license of their parents around. Yes. And talk about a cultural mishap because it's not on purpose, but it's happening everywhere. Yes, it is happening everywhere. So you know, it's quite um, interesting that you guys work together with the police. That must be really helpful. Oh, yes, yes. We do work um, very closely with the police, and the police are very cooperative. They do realize that if there's a need for it. I met with the Scott County um, Sheriff Department. Um, I met with the um, Scott County Sheriff, Dennis Conrad, um, I think precisely a month and a half ago. And yeah, he, he recognizes that it's a problem and he's more, he's with us. He has sent delegates here, police officers, so that they can attend to some of our, um, PEEP conference meetings and mm-hmm. find out how we can make these people comfortable that you don't run away from the police officers. You won, you don't fight the police officers because th- th- that's been the issue going on too. When you stop some of these refugees, they want to fight because that's what they know. They think you're about to attack them. They don't think that a police officer is actually your friend and you can trust the police officer. No, but so that's, that's that must be so difficult attack. because it's ingrained for them to be scared. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. so does it help, um, do they do take the ESL every day, or how does that work? Do they go to school every day? Well, they don't go to school every day, and it's amazing that you're asking me that. I was supposed to have a tour of the, like I said, I just 
before we got on air, I just took this job August 15th. And since mm-hmm. English has been my language, I've never bothered about ESL. But um, I, the chair for our ESL action team, Gwenda Nikki, um, she's been unavailable for a, a while, not on the action team, but just um, having to tackle some things to get everything on the road with the ESL action team. We were supposed to have a meeting that didn't happen um, a couple weeks ago so that I could know the in and out of ESL. But from the information I've gathered so far, it's um, a state of Illinois. I don't know if it's funded. I think it is funded, yeah, because anything that the state tells you that you have to do this, you have to do this, it means they're giving you money. So it's a <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> okay, continue. It's a state-funded program, um, and I think they have to take eight classes. Don't quote me on that. Like I said, I have, I want to, I, I was supposed to go through the tutorial myself. So I'm tackling everything as I'm going along with my job so that I can understand it. Um, and I think before you move from a baby class one to class two, you have to have taken X amount of English courses in class one to move to class two. And one of the things she mentioned is they try, because they know that the refugees that are coming here, some of them have full-time jobs. Some of them work in menial jobs that, you know, they work at, at night. They do the night shift. So uh-huh. they try to, if they have enough students, from what I gather, they try to make sure that they schedule the time for the classes per their work schedule. Now, if they just have one person, then she said it's part of the funding. They can't just open up an ESL class at six because IK wants to take the class. It has to be a, like a large number of people. And if you uh, miss a certain number of classes from, I think, the first stage, then you cannot go to the second stage. So that's okay. and not only that days with Blackhawk College in the Quad Cities, they have an excellent ESL program. There are other ESL programs, but we work with Blackhawk College. QCA works with Blackhawk College, and I know Super. they have programs where they can look at if a refugee comes here and maybe you know because they they, they fled their country. So if you have someone who, who if you have someone who is a refugee who was a college professor, there's no way they can take the transcripts from their college. Like when I got here, I took the transcripts from my college, University of Lagos, and I got it translated um um translated and evaluated. Um I got it evaluated, I'm sorry it was in English, so I got it evaluated to um an equivalent of an American bachelor's degree. But when you have someone who is here from a war zone, there's no one we can call. So what they said they've, they've done is have kind of like a, a, a test where they can assess their level of education. Um, if they can't speak English, their level of, you know, English, that they're, how they're proficient, whether it's in writing. Because some of the things is um, that they've, some of the things they found out is some people who are proficient in speaking it cannot write it. And some mm-hmm. of them that can read and write it can't speak it. So they determine what stage and what level based on that to place that particular individual. Absolutely. Okay. Um, IK, we'll be right back after this commercial break, okay? Okay. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even coworker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things, and together you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite twice every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety and on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to might radio do you have a question or comment for our show perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness please send an email to gabriella von ray at gmail.com that's g-a-b-r-i-e-l-l-a-v-a-n-r-i-j at gmail.com now back to might radio with gabriella von ray Hi, everyone, and we're with the guest, I.K., I hope I said that better, Oriyaki yes, is. is our guest. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm practicing. <laughs> <laughs> and she works at in Rock Island, Iowa, at QC Air, and she takes care of immigrants and refugees. I think it's, in any case, fabulous that you do that. And we were just talking uh, before the break and during the break about ESL and all the programs. And I think, you know, for all of us, for the people that are listening to, and that's why I thought it was so interesting to put you on today, is that we don't realize as citizens or when we're used to living in the country, right? Um, you're used to America now, I'm used to it. We sometimes forget how hard it is for the for the newbies that just arrive and how yes. much we can help and, and we can help with silly things uh, yes. from, from the cashier uh, at CVS, from the bank person, everyone can do their bit. So I hope that they will listen to this radio show in the hopes that they can help the next refugee and immigrant and not push them away just because they don't understand their culture. So yeah. one of the things that I was saying to you during the break, is there a way 
that your company in the future, even if you don't do it now yet, could integrate what they're actually learning with the English language within a fun setting where they would learn what it is that they actually learned, how it's useful to their lives, uh, in whether it's in medicine, whether it's in all the little things that you and I already know, uh, whether it's house insurance, all that stuff. Okay. How would they learn that? Because ESL is just for the language, right? Yes, yes, ESL is just for the language. Well, um, one of the things um, that I, I'm a new director for this organization, I started, like I said, I started um, August 15th. So um, being an immigrant, like I said, that speaks English, the challenges I faced 12 years ago when I just got to this country fresh out of college, I cannot base my, my, my challenges on someone who does not know how to speak English or someone who English was not their first language. So my challenges are very different from anyone who is from, let's say, a French-speaking African country or from a Chin or Karen, the Burmese um, um, Asian um, country. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that I have done that I'm working with is housing. That's the number one problem that they are all talking about because most of us from our countries, we lived in homes, we we lived communally where your mom, your cousin, your auntie, everybody, you know, we all, that's how we were raised. So here yeah. they are now. Some of them are, some of the refugees are in public housing. And they are, you know, they're not used to that apartment setting. Now, the newer generations in my country, like my sister, they are staying in apartment complexes. I didn't grow up in apartment complexes. I grew up in a house. So, um... They, are, they don't understand why they have to stay with all these people. And some of them have expressed that they want to buy homes. Now, the thing now is, are they eligible to buy homes? I don't know what the real estate laws or mortgage laws are. So what I have done is partner with the realtors, um, partner with Rock Island Renaissance, partner with um, Project Now. We have mm-hmm. a lot of member organizations. We have about 30 member organizations. And I'm currently working on a project, like what you said, with the ESL. It's not just the English. To make sure that they understand. Because one of the things we found out is even when the refugees or immigrants buy a house, they don't understand that when you buy that house, you have to make sure that you have all the requirements that have been given to them the first day, blah, 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 blah. Okay, this is it. Mm-hmm. Come, the banks have come to find out that after that, all these things come up that was explained to them initially, but they didn't get, they didn't understand. So what I have decided to do was to tackle that problem. I believe in damage control. Prevention is better than cure. So what one of the projects that we're working on is to have an event, maybe um, next year, February or March, where we will have two sessions for English-speaking classroom um, immigrants or and refugees. In, when I say classroom, it's people like me who went to school. We are used to classrooms, staying in a classroom from 8 to 4. Um, we went to college, staying in a classroom till God knows when, you know. So if you have that 8 to 9-hour mortgage class, it will work for someone like me. But it does not just, it's not going to work for someone who wants to buy a home and never worked in a classroom, was probably a plumber in their country. So we're mm-hmm. going to break it down to two sessions. We're going to break it down to the English-speaking immigrants and refugees that are classroom-based, that understand. You can give them nine hours straight, and they would understand what you're telling them. Then we'll break it down to people who don't necessarily, have never been in a classroom setting, do not speak English very well, 
and mm-hmm. we're going to get interpreters and translators. And those sessions, we have to break it down because we can't put these people in a nine-hour class. They are not used to that kind of setting. Sure. So we're going to have to break it down into showing them pictures, like you said, having them reenact it. Like, okay, if your mortgage is $100 this month in 2013, doesn't mean it's going to be $100 next year. No, because you have insurance, you have taxes. It's based on if Rock Island, City of Rock Island decides to increase taxes in your neighborhood. So you, you have to make, now that you're a homeowner, your landlord cannot come and fix your furnace. You have to make sure that you have enough money to take care of that when that happens. Try to explain it to them. So for them, we might have double sessions for them. So that way we know that if they're eligible to get a home, they understand the intricacies that go, go into buying a house in the Quad City. So that's one of the projects I'm tackling head on. And how many people can live there, probably? Because a, a lot of uh, immigrants and refugees think, I'm the owner, I can do with it what I want. Mm-hmm. And, and there are certain codes of, of living break. here and standards that need to be mm-hmm. upheld that they don't know about, right? Yes, um, it's, it's so amazing that you said that, because one of the things, I was always fortunate not to stay in public housing, so I never knew what the rules of public housing um, are until I got this job. Um, that you can have, um, if, if we have a two-bedroom home, by the American Code, two-bedroom home is for a nuclear family. That means mom, dad, and a kid. You know, So you can't mm-hmm. have your auntie and uncle live there. And that's one of the things that the property managers of this um, housing um, properties have been talking about. Like, you know, in public housing, they need to understand auntie-uncle cannot stay in a two- or three-bedroom home because if the state has said that this is what three-bedroom homes should represent, you should understand that. Not only that, teaching some of these refugees who probably did not grow up in the city how to use the toilet, things like that, basic things like that is one of the things that we've decided that maybe we should have a, a, a demo apartment. This is a mm-hmm. fridge. You know, this is how you store food in the fridge. This is how you use the toilet. Um, when we say it's a two-bedroom home, it means you, husband, kid. And then if you have a boy and a girl and we give you a three-bedroom home, boy and girl cannot stay in one room. You know, just explain things like that to them. So our housing, housing team, which is head by Rick Shloma, um, we've tried to get a DVD together and we've um, put it in a PowerPoint, English PowerPoint. The DVD is in different languages. Um, we're going to have to translate that PowerPoint into different languages and mm-hmm. try to pass it on and make sure that they understand as they're renting homes in America that this is what is expected, especially if you're in public housing. Mm-hmm. I think humor and animation must be really be helpful in PowerPoint too because you could yeah. almost show jokingly a house with too many aunties and uncles and, mm-hmm. and then put a big cross in it saying no. And the reason I know so much about immigration is when I lived in Belgium, um, there's a huge flux of Turkish people and someone said to me, they're taking my home away. And I said, but it's so dilapidated. You let it go. And he said, I fix mm-hmm. it when I want to. It's my home. Mm-hmm. And and I understood his side too, but he felt like nobody had explained that to him. So yeah. he was going to lose a house that he had paid all this mortgage, and he had received, um, you know, a lot to to be helped. And then in this case, he didn't help himself. So a lot of uh, people in the Western world don't understand it because they say, "Listen, he got the house, he let it go. He's he's the one that's stupid." But 
Mm-hmm. The, the stupidity is not necessarily in the immigrant. It's that he really doesn't know. Um, he just lives by the standards that he's seen previously by his own parents. Yeah, and that's one of the things that being an immigrant, um, in this, being an immigrant, having this position, I think is going to be very helpful to my organization because um, one of the things that I have been you know, telling people as I meet them, all the organizations that call me, hey, this is, okay, we have immigrant population and refugee population that want our service. We need to understand where they're coming from. I tell them immediately, I'm like, imagine yourself as at your age right now having to flee America to go to another country. You're not going to know anything. You're going to be like a brand new baby. So everything now... You, it's like reprogramming a computer. Everything you've known that is right in your country, now they're telling you, no, you can't do it this way. Now, how many people have taken the time out to explain things to them? I said the thing about America is it's wonderful because it is fast. Everything is boom, 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 boom. Most of us immigrants and refugees are not used to fast. Well, some of us are used to lay back. Some of us are used to things being explained to us. Some of us are, you know, most of us are from a dependency type of um, culture where, especially for the girls, you know, once we have our dads, we don't need to worry about anything. We have our husbands, we don't need to worry about anything. Now you're here telling us we have to make decisions on our own. So you have to take the time out to explain certain things to them. You know, and then you have some cultures where the men, a woman cannot talk to them or explain things to them. So you're dealing with a whole lot of cultural ideas that I told them that, you know, it all, it depends on your approach to explain things to them. And you really have to dedicate that time. I mean, the other day, perfect example, I met a guy from um, Congo and he was expressing to me how he wanted to move out of his um, current um, apartment because of the way he was mistreated. And now he's taking his family because they have a new baby and he wants to take his family now to a two-bedroom um, apartment, and I told him, I said, he couldn't really not speak English very well. He could barely understand me. His um, first language is French. And luckily, I had a, a lady who speaks French, so she was interpreting. And I told him, I said, the lease you're about to sign, did you read it before signing it? He said, oh, yeah, the people explained it to him. I said, that's not it. Did you take someone there to explain what the lease is telling you to do? He was like, well, I know that they told me that um, internet and cable is free. <laughs> I told him, I said, <laughs> I said okay, that's to- exactly the opposite, probably. <laughs> I told him, I said, even the president of the United States cannot rent an apartment with internet and cable free, let alone you. I said, no, <laughs> that is, they could never. So I, what I told him to do, I was like, give me a call and I will get the lady here again and we will read your lease. Because since, you know, I, I'm the executive director for QC, I said, I will read your lease for you. If and then needs, we can move needs, forward. We, we have to go in a commercial break. They're warning me here. But uh, if ever you need a French translation, just call me. I speak fluently French. Oh, good. <laughs> and I know a lot of people from the French Congo. Okay, we're going to go in a break, and everyone will be right back. Okay. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host, Jordan Kimmel, is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is her Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A. V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, everyone, and we're here with I.K., and Oriyaki is her last name, and we're talking about immigrants and refugees. Before um, we go on to the jobs for refugees and immigrants, which is very important subject, I.K., I just wanted for the listener out there to really understand something. I'm an immigrant myself. I think I will continue being an immigrant nonstop because I just love discovering other countries and cultures. But if I say um, that I have already lived probably in more than 15 countries in my life, let's just for a second pause here and understand that you have no country to go back to. You are a true refugee who has lost their home, has lost indirectly your livelihood, your culture, right, Aiki? And, and there is no, no way back. So we, when we, when we see them struggle, why don't we just reach out and try to help them or actually ask how their day is going? And if they don't understand us in English, don't be too worried. But they might actually remember that we actually do try to reach out to them. That's all I wanted to say before we go on to the next thing is that I don't think we reach out enough to people. And I think, um, I think the, by the way, Iowa, because you were talking about fast paced and slow paced for me as an immigrant, Iowa is very slow paced, which I think is actually lovely. I'm actually getting really used to it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like it. Um, because life is fast paced, but 
I agree with you that even though Iowa is slower paced for most of the refugees and the immigrants out there, it's still too fast. And like you said earlier, it's a country of rules. And if you don't know that, and if you sign your life away with the wrong lease and you have no idea what you're signing, and then the bill comes in, like you said earlier, for Internet, then you kind of go, what's going on, right? Because you think you just did the opposite. Yes. Okay, so yes. housing housing is a problem. The language is a problem. But how about jobs? Um, well, jobs and employment is a big problem. But before I go on jobs and employment, just to, um, like what you said about, you know, um, the receiving community, that's the Americans born here that have lived here for a while, like, you know, you and I, to reach mm-hmm. out to these people. Because people are usually kind of, um, I don't, I, I'm looking for the word, kind of, oh, this is something different, so they don't understand it, so they don't, I mean, that's human nature, so they don't know how to approach it. But, you know, basic thing to, you know, just say, you know, how are you doing? Or, like, most people will come to me, oh, I love your accent, where are you from? That is a, that is an awesome, eye-breaking, you know, conversation. But mm-hmm. I speak English. If the person can't speak English, it's like, oh, you know, you see, sometimes you'll see a mother that is at the uh, 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 bus stop with uh, 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 maybe laundry, trying to get from point A to point B. You know, help her out. She might not know how to speak English, but she would remember. Because, one, here are buses. My country, we just started having, like, you know, real, when I came, went home the last time, we now have a real bus transit line. We didn't have that. So coming here for someone who never had that, now you're telling me i got to be at the bus station at X amount of time. I got, You know? So it's really going to be on the receiving community to make sure that we are reaching out to the immigrants and refugees. And it helps my job when they have a problem and they're comfortable to tell Gabriella. And Gabriella called me to say, such and such is looking for a job. Now to jobs and employment. One of the things that immigrants, I'm going to touch on immigrants first. One of the things that the immigrants we are facing when I first got here 12 years ago is underemployment. And that's one of the things that if I don't do anything in this organization, I'm going to, do, I'm going to try and tackle that. Underemployment means I got here 12 years ago right out of college, um, had my college degree, and I came here July 12, 2001, and when I started looking for jobs, the first thing the lady asked me was, um, do you have references? And I asked her, I said, what is that? Because I'd never heard of it. And she was like, oh, someone who can vouch for you that you've worked somewhere. I said, um, did you see my green card said July 12, 2001, and this is November 2001? Where am I going to find references? I don't even know anyone in this country yet. So because of that, I had to do, with a bachelor's degree in finance, I had to do menial jobs to get me from point A to point B because there was no one who was willing to take a chance. So one of the things that I'm trying to get um, with my organization is to see if all these, you know, organizations, Rock Island, City of Rock Island, um, um, Police Department, um, Metrolink, places that are hiring, can you have an apt test for a new immigrant that, will show that she has the same skills or the same, she has her transcript already, the same script um, skills that an American born living in the court city has. Okay. So that both of them can compete on the same level as opposed to, okay, your degree is from University of Namibia, boom. You know, and I had, uh, I, I, I had a, a best friend. Um, she's been my best friend for years. She's my American um, best friend. When I got here, I was like, okay, 
I'm new in this country. I need to make friends with an American. But that was me that I thought about it. Okay, this is what I need to do. And she pretty much told me everything. Don't give your social security number to anybody. Don't get a credit card if you cannot afford to pay. You know, she told me all the injuries that sometimes some of us as immigrants, brand immigrants, we don't know. She took my resume. I've never seen a resume. She was the one who fixed the resume the first time for me. Then I went to the library every day to teach myself how to use Microsoft Word and Excel. You know, but things mm-hmm. like that, when it comes to jobs, most of the immigrants, they were doctors, teachers in their country. They come here, they become factory workers because no one is ready to give them a chance. No one is ready to say, hey, why don't you hire this person? And for 90 days, if this person comes to work drunk, I'm just giving bizarre, then you can let them go. But we will put our names down that we know Gabriella, we know IK, and this is their basic skills. If they get the training on the job, they'll be very good. They'll be a very good fit for your organization. But I have a question. Can the can the organization where you work for, for example, in the future, maybe not tomorrow, could they um, give um, immigrants and refugees a reference when you know them? When, uh, for example, you know their qualities that they show up on the job, so that they could instantly go to the job where they're good at and where they would work really hard. Well, currently we're not doing that right now. Right now we have our jobs and employment action team that are actually trying to place immigrants and refugees in different um, places of employment based on their experience. But mm-hmm. now tackling the brand new or the ones who are moving from one state to the other, maybe because Auntie Uncle lives here, What where we're going to get to, which I've presented to the board, is to be that reference for that person that comes brand new into this country, into America. Yeah. Just I'm moving to the Quad Cities, brand new from um, Asia, to be able to say, okay, you know, this is our organization. It's 90 days. Every organization has that. 90 days. Give them a chance. If this person has a transcript that they were teachers, I know with doctors, it's a whole different ballgame. They have to go to school here because, you know, they're going to be operating on people. That, that's a different thing. But, you know, if we have teachers, you have people who had marketing degrees, accounting degrees. I always say that, like, you know, checks and balances, they're the same all over the world, you know. And then when I got here, I had to make my degree an equivalent of an American bachelor's degree, so I had to go to school. I had to take classes while working 80 hours a week just to pay my rent. There were some nights I went to bed without food. There are a lot of immigrants that will tell you stories like that, new immigrants that they went to bed without food. I didn't know churches gave free food. Now I do. But, you know, things like that, if we can stand in for them to say, hey, you know, if you're hiring, if you're looking for an accounting clerk, if you're looking for, uh, we will stand in for these people. We don't necessarily have to know them. We've seen their transcripts. We've seen what, you know, that their transcripts say they have a bachelor's degree in marketing from mm-hmm. University of Gambia. Okay. Take them for 90 days. If they don't do the job, they, they, they are not, I mean, you don't. You let them go. But just to give them that chance, a leg in the door. Because I knew for five, six years that was what I was looking for. And I had yep. odd jobs for five, Absolutely. six years. Yep. No, I know what you're talking about. I've I've done it many times and it's it's each time the same. You have to start at the bottom up because you have no references in that country. Yes. And you have to create them. But I was thinking for the immigrants and the refugees, it'd be great if you guys created it for them because it it would give the community a sort of safety net and a safety feeling that you guys were standing behind them. But yes. then again, my question is, does the community know that organizations like yourself exist? 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. And yes, what do you, what do you guys do to get out there with the small entrepreneur that could employ these people? Well, one of the things that um, most of the organizations that are under our belt are um, calling me now, you know, mm-hmm. because now we have a new executive, which is executive director, which is me, and they want to partner with us. And one of the things I proposed was the jobs and employment side of everything. Like, if we get the translators and interpreters, if we're going to pay them, that's a way of giving them money. You know, um, some of the small um, organizations out there, like, They've been contacting us now, contacting the jobs and employment department to see if they want, you know, forklifters. Um, you, they want, um, like Project Now. They want drivers, you know, things like that. CDL drivers, little small businesses. If if they're hiring, you know, and one of the things that will, like I said, refugees and immigrants are different. Now, if you're looking at immigrants and refugees that don't speak English, we're going to have a language barrier. So most of them are working in the factory. Now, that's going to be another thing that I'm going to tackle down the line. Like, okay, you're working in the factory. If, you, if you've been taking your ESL classes, what skills do you like? Do you like computers? Do you like to work on computers? Well, now to go with them to the schools and say, okay, this is what this, this, is what this person is interested in. Realistically, can they? go for that particular course because some of them think that they are going to be factory workers for the rest of their life. And there are some who are comfortable doing what they are doing because factory money is good money, and that's okay. If you are comfortable doing what you're doing, it's okay. But if you have an idea that you want to work for the government, you want to be a police officer, we should be able to empower them to be what they want to be. You know, and with all these local businesses, some of the things they've said is, you know, the language barrier, that some of these people are bringing their kids in for job interviews. So one of the things that I am going to do that um, I'm actually this next week is going to be my grant writing week is to get grant money, like I said, for translators and interpreters. So if you have like Gabriel um, Cake Shop, you want a sales, um, well, maybe technically they can't speak English, maybe you want someone who will cook or be a cleaner or, you know, whatever the job is where they have minimal interaction with the public and they understand just basic good morning, okay, here's it, you're punching in, you're punching out and things like that, is to say, okay, you speak French, get a group of French-speaking people, get a French interpreter. That's one of the ideas that um, I came up with that um, we're going to, me and Miss Kim Mans, who is the chair of the jobs and employment team, and get that French interpreter to be in the interview with them and get a translator to, because most of everything you do now is online. But if mm-hmm. it's in English, how will they understand? Now, Google, you can translate into different languages, which is good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, That's get that application in, get that job interview with the translator and the interpreter. The thing we're going to work with the mom and pop places when you know you're going to hire someone you know. So and are, you, are you telling me that in the factory, um, they really don't need to speak English to do anything? Well, there are some jobs that they really, if they have just a little bit, you know, okay, Perfect example. If you have um, um, one good thing about um, Hispanics in, the, in America is you press two for, for Spanish. Okay. So you can have a, somebody who speaks Spanish that is fully functional in America because technically they can speak, you know, they have Spanish interpreters right on site at the bank. They have, you know, they have Spanish interpreters for everything. What about the people who speak French? What about the people who speak current? What about the people who speak Chin? 
So yeah. if we can teach them basic communication languages, like basic, if they've taken a, a little bit of ESL class and can say, oh, hi, good morning, uh, you know, understand that at 8 o'clock you have to be at work. They can, because they don't speak good enough English doesn't mean they cannot be cleaners, they can be janitors. If, you, if you're cleaning, if you have a cleaning job, you necessarily don't deal with the public where you have to speak. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to speak English that much. Now, mm-hmm. if you have someone who's going to be a sales associate, well, guess what? You're going to deal with the public, so you have to speak English. So if we have jobs like that where they can, you know, they, 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 they can do that work, they don't necessarily have to speak a whole lot of English, provided the employer understands basic things to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that a father of three cannot get a job because he does not speak English. And as he stays on the job, he will learn certain, you know, people pick... If English is all you're hearing, you're going to pick it up as you leave in the country. So maybe from there he can move to, you know, whatever he decides that he wants to do. But he should be given that chance, not just because he doesn't speak French and there's no allowance for him to learn how, for him to communicate in French. Like in some places you can communicate in Spanish. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think it's actually good to be in a job for them where they hear the English all the time. Because yes. that's the only way for them to learn. Yes. Yes. So I mean, a- apart from the obstacle of jobs and housing, is that mm-hmm. the same? Are, are those obstacles the same for the refugees as for the immigrants? Well, for the refugees... Or, or would you f- say that there is a difference? The, uh, it's some, some the same... A little bit of, uh, there's a, there's, there are differences there because if you're looking at jobs, if you're looking at refugees, um, if you have a refugee, because immigrants usually when we come here, we know one or two people when we come to America. Some of us have families that stay here. We might not be staying in the same state as our family, but you know, we know, and then we also have that option that, okay, if I'm tired, I can just pack my things. Okay, I'm going back to America. I'm going back to my country. You know, we have that. Which is a soft cushion for us to think about, like, okay, we can, we can leave anytime we want. But when you have a refugee that knows that there's no going back, this is what I have to do. I have to do everything. Now you are at survival of the fittest mode. Yeah. So you're getting the basic things that you need to get from point A to point B. True. And wherever they give you, because you've lost everything, you're trying to now make a life for yourself in your new environment. So when you're talking about things like housing, some of them that can't even speak English, and you have to understand, it depends on what area of their country they were living in. I'm a city girl. I grew up in the city. So I'm used to skyscrapers. I'm used to traffic, air pollution, noise pollution, you name it. I'm used to everything. So coming to Chicago was just like, wow, I fit right in. But <laughs> if you have someone, it's just like, even right here, if you, if you have someone who lives in a little town in Whiteside County, Illinois, you know, mm-hmm. and they have to move to Chicago, it's going to be like, whoa, how come there's traffic now, let alone someone who is from a little village in, in, in Africa or in Asia where you have, you see one car pass by every one hour. Now you're here. Yeah. Now you're trying to do. So the, the challenge, the, the, there's a difference in the challenges, but it's all the same. We're here in America. We want to survive in America. We want to know how we can be successful citizens, how we can vote to make changes that we want, how we can practice our religion free, freely if it, you know how we will not be judged based on our sexual orientation. We are we are happy we are here. We, but how to make us a useful citizen so that way if we're having kids here, they 
themselves can become productive citizens in their new country, which is the United States. So the challenges are kind of the same, but sometimes on a different level when you now start talking about cultural barriers in terms of if this person has never seen a toilet. Their orientation is going to be totally different from a refugee who grew up in the city. Yeah, absolutely. You can't put them on the same level. Would you say that they're treated pretty pretty correctly in Illinois and Iowa? Well, it depends. Um, what do you mean by treated fairly? Because well, and- the reason I'm asking is because you said earlier that example that you gave the men from French Congo um, mm-hmm. was moving apartments because he had a baby, but he was also moving uh, because he didn't think he was treated correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so are they treated correctly? And if they're not, is that again due to the language and the culture? Well, Well, um, some of the complaints I've had, which I'm not going to mention the name of the place, um, some, of of the, um, com- yeah. <laughs> some of the complaints <laughs> I've had is um, uh, they've complained about um, specific um, housing um, property that they're having problems with. And um, based on it, not only them, even the Americans are complaining about that place, that these people are not being treated well. So one of the things I've decided to do is to get them out of there. And um, Rock Island Housing is full. It's, it's from the last time I spoke, they are full in their capacity in taking people in, you know. And Rock Island Housing, I've worked closely with them, and uh, we have a couple of them on our um, action team. They and they understand very well what the immigrants and refugees are going through. They are, they actually work with the immigrants and refugees to make sure they explain things to them, even if they don't leave in Rock Island Housing, which I think is very awesome that they take time out to explain things. And if they're coming from X property, um, um, X apartment, they're like, okay, you know, this is, this is what's going on. This is what's going on with your lease. Yes, we don't have any space for you right here, but we will work with you to see when, you know, they, they are actually working with them. Super. So for me to see that there are other um, property, um, public housing, like uh, um, government subsidized housing, like Rock Island Housing Authority, they're actually taking the time out to understand that, wow, And that's because they saw all the challenges when the refugees came in. They said they would give them a key saying, oh, they understand. Then they come back and go, wow, the toilet is flooded. Why? Because they didn't understand. Why are you putting all this stuff in there? So they thought to themselves, this is a problem. This is an issue. How do we deal with it? And they tackled it. So I can't understand how another, and I'm going to call them ex-property, ex-property will have that kind of problem and not understand that you're dealing with refugees who've lost everything. You cannot be evicting a family, especially when they have little kids. Psychologically, that affects that child because all that child, now what you're putting in that child's mind growing up developmentally is instability. They've been kicked out of their country. They are here now. They're telling them they're free. America is a land of opportunities, and you're evicting them. So one of the things we're doing is trying to get those people out of there. Now, are they being treated fairly? We have our, we have a lot of churches, even on our on our um, umbrella, that are really, really, really. Even my church that I go to, helping the immigrants and refugees when they get here. They get here during the winter winter time. I've heard stories of them coming in flip flops. I have my own personal story too. I came here in a miniskirt and pumps in the um, um, dead of October, end of October. <laughs> And for someone coming from 150 degrees, that's cold. Okay. That's cold. I know. Someone should have told you. Listen, uh, we have less than... Listen. 
we have less than 30 seconds left. I could go on with you, but I want to leave. What is your message for anyone who's listening? What would you like them to do? Apart from donate, what is it that they can do to help? Well, one of the things that I can do to help is I'm looking for volunteers. So please, if you want to volunteer to an organization, feel free. And I don't, um, at the end, I don't know if you're going to have my contact information. If you see any refugee or, or immigrant that has any problem, even if it's with the IRS, I mean, any kind of problem, let them call us and we will direct them and guide them to the right place. I don't want any refugee or immigrant out there with problems that I can't solve because I don't know about them. Absolutely. Why don't you mention your website right now? That's, that's a really good one. Okay. Our website is um, www.qca.org. Okay. And guys, that's really easy to do because we do see sometimes immigrants in trouble. Just think of letting them know, ask their address or their phone number or where they work, and let the organization handle it because they deal yes. with this every day, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. And let us, that's what we're here for. So okay. give us a chance to do our job and make an impact in the community and help these people be, um, help them assimilate in their new environment. Okay, and you gained a volunteer for French if you wanted. Oh, yes, we want volunteers. I'm, I'm very <laughs> happy and open to receive any volunteer. <laughs> okay, well, if you need one in French, you got me, so no problem. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I know a little bit what it's like, of course, not being a refugee, but an immigrant, I definitely know. And um, I like that the ball of human kindness is given on to the next person. So, well... I thank you so much for being on this show. I thank you for thank bringing you. a little bit of light to us about this situation. But I think we should have you back on ESL and more programs and how the community can help them integrate better because that would be really great. Oh, I would really appreciate that. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, IK. And I will call you next week and we'll set up some coffee or tea or whatever you like. Oh, that would be nice. Okay, let's do that. And everyone, right. thank you so much for listening to Mind Radio. We'll be back next week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week, and until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform.